Welcome to the Mapped Out Money podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage money so that you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number three. So today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money Minute. Now, this is actually another podcast that we do. Uh, this is a, a daily podcast, 30 to uh, you know 90, sometimes 120 seconds. I try to keep them short if so, I yeah, can. Yeah, people know better than to think that you actually Okay, no, but 30. it's legitimately, like, it's it's called Minute for a reason. We keep it short. Uh, but they're quick daily financial tips. And so if you're interested in hearing from us on a daily basis, check out that podcast as well. All right. So what do we have today? Nick, what are we talking about? Well, to kick us off, I thought that we would walk through uh, sort of a, a brief scenario here. Brief. So, I'll believe it when I hear it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not the briefest person in the world. I'll try to keep it brief. Okay, so let's think about a high schooler, all right? So maybe this is you or somebody like you, um, and you're you know freshman, sophomore, somewhere in there, and you're surrounded by people who are going to college. Maybe it's your family telling you this. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your teachers and guidance counselors. But the bottom line is that everybody you know is going to college. So you therefore think, well, I guess that's what I should probably plan to do as well. The other important thing to note at that level, too, is that college is the most defined path. Totally. So there's clear steps to success with totally. college. Yeah, every pretty much every other path, whether it's going to a trade school or um, starting your own business or just getting out and trying to work somewhere uh, and then work your way up into a position, maybe working at like a grocery store or a retail store and then working your way up over time. There's a lot more to figure out on your own. Yes, there's a ton more to figure out on your own, whereas college is like, do this, check this box, check this box, and then, you know, there you go. All right. So bring us home. We're, we're in college now. What? Okay. So we're in college and you're surrounded now by people who are what? Well, a lot of them are taking out loans, uh, which makes sense. Sometimes you have to do that. But I think that we would both argue you don't have to do it necessarily to the extent that most end up doing it. You could choose a cheaper school. You could you know, not necessarily go uh, out of state. You could not take on extra loans. I mean, how many people do we know that took on extra student loans? To like buy an Apple buy, Watch or something. Yes, to buy, yeah, to buy a watch or a happened. Kindle or whatever. Um, you can live, you know, a certain lifestyle. So, so now you're in college, you're doing the thing, but you're surrounded by people who are spending money in a certain way instead of, you know, maybe working those extra internships, taking on extra classes so that they can graduate early and spend less money. You're just, again, surrounded by people who are doing a certain thing, so you easily slip into that as well. And I think a lot of people think, well, once I graduate from college, I'll be making money, and so then I'll be able, I'll manage my money differently, and I'll be able to really improve my situation then. But the problem is, once you graduate, you're working around people who have that same kind of money mindset. So I know, especially when Nick graduated from engineering school, everybody started asking us when we were going to buy a new car, because both of our cars were pretty old. So everybody just thought, oh, well, literally. of I can, course, you're going to go buy I, a car. I, I can sit here and name five people right now that I graduated with that bought cars within a month of graduation because that was the thing you're supposed to do. It was a, a pat on the back. I had worked hard to get this degree, so I deserve a brand new car. It was mm -hmm. crazy. And then, of course, you've got to get a house. Yeah. And then once you get a house, you know, you work your job for a little while. You kind of get in the groove of maybe a vacation or two per year. That's kind of what most people do. Yep. You got to get married somewhere in there. Yeah. And, you know, how many people do we know that 
I mean, we got what? There were seven or eight weddings the year that we got married. Yep. And we know at least three or four of those couples that are divorced already. Yep. Uh, and so I'm not saying they, you know, maybe shouldn't have gotten married or or that they were, you know, definitely the wrong person. But, you know, I, I do think that sometimes people get married because, you know, hey, everybody around them is getting engaged. Uh, this person I've been dating for a while, uh, I guess it's time. You know, I guess we better get serious, too. Yeah. So you've got the house, you're doing a couple vacations a year, you're now getting pressured probably if you haven't already to have kids. Now you got to send the kids to a certain school and, you know, maybe the public school, maybe the private school, depending on the neighborhood, the people you're surrounded by, the people you work with and yep. sort of what they're all doing. And then all of those expenses, you know, lock you into you need a certain salary. Totally. And so for most people, that's probably going to be they need the salary that they're getting at their current job. So they're not going to explore any other career options nope. or really get dive into any other interests they might have had. So no. it ends up really locking your life down. And then before you know it, you're in your 50s and you're kind of starting to think about retirement and you have this realization of you're not I ready. can't retire. Yeah. yeah. Well, it all comes back to what? It comes back to a couple of decisions you made when you were 15, 16, 17 years old to go to college and pursue a certain major. And then you just sort of let life float you down the river the way that it goes. And you just sort of went along with it based on what everybody else around you was doing. And I mean, you know, how many people have I worked with? The average age of people that that come to me and and get help for coaching and working with their budget is people in their 40s and 50s because it takes that long a lot of the time before people really get smacked in the face with life and you know sort of you know look up and say hey I I should probably do something different because whatever I've been doing up to this point is not working. I've actually been reading a book that kind of talks about this same idea. And it's called I Miss You When I Blink. And it's by Mary Laura Philpot. And she kind of turns the idea of like a midlife crisis on its head a little bit. And she talks about how we all kind of have these life crises at different points. And that they're much more, they're much less tied to midlife than they are to just our life in general and kind of like you said getting getting floated down the river without realizing where we're going. So she really talks about that idea of waking up and obviously you're the one who made the decisions that led your life to where it's at, but for some reason you don't recognize where you're at. So it's like, you know, these decisions have happened without you really thinking about the alternatives and whether or not is what you truly wanted. So then we have these freak out moments and we don't know what to do, you know. Oh, totally. And that's, I mean, that's what the majority of people do. I, I forget the exact percentage, but the research that shows and talks about habits and decision making uh, basically says somewhere between 40 and 50% of every decision that you make on a daily basis is based on habits or previous decisions down as simple as the, the clothes that you wear to the places that you go out to eat for lunch to the city that you think you're going to live in to the houses that you're going to look at to buy Everything that we do is, is based on previous decisions, and a lot of that means it's based on what the people around you are choosing yeah. to do. It's a pretty wild statistic. Yeah, and I mean, we're obviously not immune to this either. Even though now our life looks very different than the normal person, when we first got married— we pretty quickly were looking to buy some houses in Chattanooga yep. when you were in grad school, right? Not some houses. We were just going to buy one house. Right. But. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were we were actively going around 
looking at houses and, you know, really looking at how we could save the money and do this. We were really serious about it. And a lot of that because the people that you were in, you know, graduate school with, the people that I was in undergrad with and were graduating with, they were all buying houses. And so that's kind of what we thought we needed to do, too. Yeah. um, When Nick was in undergrad, he had an internship at a mechanical engineering firm, and it was him and several other guys around the same age. So as soon as he graduated and all those other interns graduated and started working full time together, we saw all those decisions playing out, you know, firsthand. And we were right there, you know, trying to keep up with the with the crowd for a while. But the problem with that is when you're making those decisions, there's all sorts of underlying assumptions behind those. So, you know, if we had bought a house, we're assuming that A, we want a house. B, we're okay with a significant amount of our time and money going to upkeep because up until that point, we were renting, which I know a lot of people talk about renting being throwing away your money, but renting was awesome for us. You know, we had crazy busy schedules, like we were both tied up with work and school. We needed to be able to pay for for that upkeep to be done. It uh, bought us time. Yeah. It bought us mental Bandwidth, bandwidth so that yep. we weren't so you know stuck thinking about all the stuff that needed to get done around a house yeah so rent for us was money well spent so see we're assuming that where we should be assuming that we want to stay in that location for a while you know d we're assuming that we knew what kind of house we even wanted no yeah, yeah. we i mean we had hardly we hadn't thought anything about that no you know? and again like, It goes back to how you grew up. The vast majority of people will look for houses that are similar in size, space, layout to the houses that they grew up in because that's what they know. That's what they're familiar with. But your desires and what you want to do could be very different than your parents. So why in the world would you just assume that that's the type of house that makes sense for you to have? And the, the other major kind of underlying assumption with buying a house that we would have been making is that our income level was going to either stay the same or only go up. So we're (laughs) kind of limiting ourselves, you know, in everything that Nick and I have done, we've been able to take temporary pay cuts as we make a transition. And so that's, I mean, that's freed us up to totally change our lives in ways that we never even thought about. Whereas if we had a mortgage that was taking up a significant portion of our salary, we wouldn't feel like we could step away from that salary to try something new. Not at all. And I think that's where the the majority of people get. I mean, um, this sort of goes into a little bit different conversation. But when I was at my job and looking to leave, there were guys who wanted to leave, had thought about leaving. And when I put in my two weeks notice, came to me and said, like, man, they really wanted to do the same thing. But they had locked themselves into this situation with their house and their life and everything that was going on there that they could not afford to take a pay cut at all to make a transition to do something different. Nowadays, we do make more money than we used to make, but that was a couple of year process to get yeah. there. That was a, um, a while of us needing to take a reduced amount of income in order to make that transition possible. So ultimately, what we're saying is that you end up creating a lifestyle and a standard of living that's based on keeping up with other people. It's based on keeping up with the Joneses. We've all heard that. We all are, you know, familiar Familiar with with it. But then, you know, you feel like you have to maintain all of those things in your life in order to fit in with your tribe. You have to live in that certain neighborhood. Your kids have to go to that certain school. You have to be a member at this gym or else like your whole life unravels. Um, And you kind of don't know where you fit in anymore. 
it is totally possible to break that cycle once you're in it, but it's really hard. It's much harder. And, and it, the fact is most people just don't do it. No, and, and it would be a lot easier if we could just catch it on the front end and yep. not make that decision in the first place, which is ultimately what we're going to be talking about today. If we keep our options open and don't make decisions on the front end that are going to lock us down too much, we give ourselves freedom to make decisions down the road that we didn't even know we would eventually want to make. And I think more than even like keeping your options open, because it's not like we're afraid of commitment. No. It's just that you're being mindful about every decision that you're making and you're seriously considering all of the other possibilities that you could choose. You're you're not just mindlessly following what other people are doing. This whole idea um, ties into something that I just read on the art of manliness because I've been trying to, you know, become more manly. Um, Not really. They have a lot of good stuff on there, like about reading and everything. So this blog post in particular is about reading Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I didn't, I've never read much Emerson, but he focuses a lot on self-reliance. So to kind of, let me just read from their blog post to kind of give an explanation of self-reliance. So this is from The Art of Manliness, and this is Emerson's advice on how to read for greater self-reliance. The essence of self-reliance is a commitment to making decisions based on one's own native instinct, personal values, and primary experience over external advice, cultural conformity, and secondhand information. Self-reliance is about living a life in which you make decisions and opinions with primary respect to your own experience of the world. You trust yourself. You're true to yourself. Now, before we get too far into this, I think it's important to give some context that there's a couple of caveats here when we say self-reliance, at least the way that Hannah and I view it. Number one, we're Christians. So that means that we do believe that we are all reliant on God first and foremost, and others should be too. And that's certainly the way that Hannah and I view our lives. So when we say self-reliance, we recognize that it's not 100% us. Yeah. Second. It's um, not even like. No, it's not even like 99% us. Like, yeah, it's nothing. Um, But second, that we are also married and we believe the way that we think about marriage is that you work as a team in every way possible. So when you hear us talk about self-reliance, we're talking about team self-reliance and Hannah and I setting ourselves up in a way to where we can rely on each other, uh, but not necessarily be making decisions based on anybody else outside of us too. Yeah. So it's totally okay if if your beliefs differ from those. We just wanted you to understand kind of the lens that we're looking at this whole idea through. Okay. So how does this idea of self-reliance actually connect to money? I mean, after all, this is mapped out money. This is a financial-based podcast. Well, it, it comes in because when you make a purchasing decision based on others' expectations, meaning not in self-reliance, then your future decisions become even more limited. So we were kind of talking, it's almost like you're you're going down a funnel um, because every decision that you make out of mindlessness, you know, just by following the crowd, that decision is going to limit your future decisions. You're, you know, faster and faster spinning down that funnel and your your options are becoming more and more narrow as you go. The other thing about this going down of a funnel that as we make one decision that is based on others' expectations makes it even harder to make other decisions down the road. What's what's also wild to me is the amount of decisions that are pressured onto you. Yeah. Like we get asked all the time and I'm talking like by 
strangers. strangers. Complete strangers. Like, I took my grandmother to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor was, like, asking me when we were going to have kids. Well, it's weird to me, too, that it's totally okay in public and by society standards to ask about these massive decisions. Like, when are you going to buy a home? When are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? Where are you going to go to college? We ask people about these decisions and, and can oftentimes make people feel pressured into making these decisions that have massive repercussions on them. And they're not, you know, obviously, like we've said, they're not decisions to be entered into lightly. And yet so many people act like they are. And that it's like a given that obviously at some point you have to do all these things. And that's just not true either. No, not at all. Um, And not to get on my soapbox here, but it also is funny to me how that stuff is totally okay to ask. But then there's other decisions that, in my opinion, are much lighter weight but are totally taboo to ask, right? If you notice that your friend or your family member is putting on a little extra weight here lately, or if you notice that maybe they're spending a lot of money here lately, it's totally inappropriate for you to ask them about their weight or their health or their financial health. So when are you going to stop blowing all your money and save for retirement? Exactly. When are you going to start working out instead of eating pizza and ice cream every night, right? Um, We can't ask about that. But we can totally ask about when you're going to add another kid to your family that you have to be financially, emotionally, physically responsible for for the next 20 years. Is that like the eye doctor and several people have done this. Oh, you don't have kids? Well, how old are you? 29. Oh, well, I mean, if you're going to start, you better better get started. started. If you're going to have kids, like, oh, man. Yeah. Deep for some stranger conversation there. Oh, yes. Okay, so... Let's try to get to something practical here. How do we actually use all this information? We've sort of talked about the fact that... I do want to go back, like, just for a second. Because like we talked about, when when you make those decisions mindlessly and you're kind of following the crowd and it narrows you down and it gets harder and harder to get out of that cycle, the opposite is true, too. So okay. once you do something that kind of makes your life look a little bit different, you still get the same kind of pressure but sure. it's to a lesser degree like once once we were like we're gonna we're gonna postpone buying a house and live in an rv we do get less pressure from especially people who are really close to us totally people start getting used to you doing things a little bit differently they do they yeah. get used to you doing it differently which makes the pressure less it also gives you more freedom to make decisions down the road yeah and so because you build your own confidence level yeah with doing things against the grain that's totally true and not caring what anybody else is going to think i mean honestly when we got married that was the case because yeah. you got an insane amount of pushback like wild amount of pushback how many times am i going to say wild in this podcast um you got a crazy amount of pushback from people at work for when we got engaged and for context this was people who totally had just completely different values totally from us and who i did not know very well like one in particular was like an older gentleman who had been married and divorced either four or five times it was a lot he he wasn't who you wanted to take marriage advice from yeah i understand why he maybe thought that but you know i was 20 he was a little jaded but i was 19 when we got engaged right yeah um so you know i get i get that but again still it was amazing how much pressure and pushback we got when we did that But that made making the next decision of living in an RV easier to make. Yeah, because we saw that, you know, those people weren't right when we got married. And so we felt more confident in our ability to think through a decision and consider what the people who were closest to and who know us and who share our values had to say and not get jaded by people who really didn't didn't have a dog in the fight. That's right. That's right. Okay, so now 
How do we use this information for money? So I think there's maybe three questions that you can use to help you approach financial decisions with more self-reliance and make sure that you're not just making these decisions based on others. Number one would be ask the question of, does this purchase, does this make sense for my current and my future situation? Basically, if I make this decision right now and it's going to limit my future flexibility, am I okay with that? I want to make a conscious decision we we do this. I'm not saying you should yeah. never make an you know never make a purchase that's going to limit your flexibility or your freedom. Yeah, because that's not living life. <laughs> well, yeah, you would literally have to like never get married and like live out of a backpack or something. Yeah. But a great example of this for us is our pets. Totally. So with every single pet we got, we knew that we were limiting our flexibility a little bit more. But we love our pets and they add just crazy amounts of value to our life. And so we were okay to sacrifice that flexibility. And what do I mean like by flexibility? Lots of our friends travel internationally and like for long periods of time. We're just not going to do that because we love our pets and we don't want to leave our pets for like four months at a time. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have some friends who've done some international stuff and they've they've shipped pets, you know, you know, on ships and planes and stuff. And and that can be done, but that's certainly not anything you're gonna do often. It's expensive and I worry about our diva. I know, our diva, diva dog. dog. Yeah. But the the whole point being you're always going to make decisions that are going to take away your freedom, right? Every single purchase that you make is going to you know, require you giving up some freedom. Either you've given up freedom, time, and money to, you know, make enough money to buy whatever it is you just bought, or you're going to have to give up future freedom, time, and money to be able to maintain whatever you just bought. This is why, you know, the whole phrase of what's the uh, best day in um, a boat owner's life, the day they bought their boat and the day they sold their boat, right? Because, it takes up a lot of time, money, freedom, and effort to maintain that thing. All right. So what's number two? Okay. So number two is, do you even want this? Or are you just doing it because everybody else is doing it around you? And again, we don't have to walk through all these scenarios. Again, we've sort of hit all them. But you can see this comes up in every single step of life. Yeah. And I do think it's just like a good idea to sit down and list list what are the things I like yep. about the idea of buying this thing, buying a house, changing jobs or, you know, whatever. What are the ideas that I like about it? What are the things that I don't like about it? And are those things, are the things that I like aligning with my top priorities in life and uh, where I want to, the direction I want to go? Well, and to go back to the college example, what's crazy to me is how good at marketing colleges are these days. If you go on a college tour, they're going to highlight the amazing water slide and the incredible workout area and, and for, Greek row and Greek row. And for me and you in Chattanooga, it was like, look at all this amazing outdoor equipment Which that I you can say, rent for free. Out of all of the things out of all the, the benefits that we had of going to college, that was a top one. We took that one very <laughs> seriously. But but the point is, like, that has absolutely nothing to do with why I'm going to college in the yep. first place. Yep. And so if you sit down and actually write out all the things that you, you know, are wanting to do for going to that college versus that college versus not going at all. You start to realize like, oh, water slide, that's pretty, that's a pretty stupid one. Like, I don't need, that's not what I'm actually doing this yeah. for. I'm and a just, lot of times, yeah, I mean, college is just a whole, a whole other thing that we could do like five episodes on. But the fact is a lot of times it just doesn't make sense for, for the direction you're wanting to go in your, your career. No, not at all. Um, you don't need college for it a lot of times. 
Nope. So I think we're slowly getting there as a society. But right now, it's still the the expectation for the majority of people. For sure. For sure. But again, the, the bottom line for question number two here is, you know, do you even want this? Or are you just doing it because that's what everybody else is doing? And that applies all throughout your life. Yep. All right. Number three, is there a less expensive alternative considering the time, money, and flexibility that still gets you whatever it is that you want? A great example here is what city you want to settle down in. And this is even more true and going to be more true as more and more people start working remotely. It's very easy to say like, oh, I really want to live in New York or Austin or San Francisco or, you know, all the other big cities that are amazing to live in. But if you sit down and write out, what is it about those cities that really appeal to you? What is it that you're actually interested in? And then can you get those top three to five things from another city that has a significantly lower cost of living? The answer is most of the time, probably yes. I think we've really seen that too with like traveling around in the Airstream. We've found several different um, little towns or cities totally. with all of the elements that we enjoy. And it's obviously not just city. Again, these three questions apply to everything. So from the car you drive, the house you buy, the apartment you live in, the places you eat, are there less expensive alternatives that still get the same underlying thing that you truly want? I feel like the um, goddess of podcasting right now, like the... I don't know. You know how like the Greek gods are like the goddess of the sun and whatever. I feel like the Greek goddess of podcasting and dogs. Because you have like, all your animals around yes. you while you're laid, like all of the dogs are just back. like getting all over me. And yeah, yeah, we just did this like Airstream renovation. So we have this little lounge area and I'm just kind of like lounged out over here like Caesar eating his dinner. <clears throat> I don't know. Margot snoring. Scout's breathing in the microphone. We're going downhill. We're going to have to wrap it up. Okay, so let's just put a quick <laughs> summary on this. The bottom line here is um, we want you to try and make more financial decisions with greater self-reliance, not based on what everybody else is doing or what everybody else around you thinks that you should be doing. And to make sure that you're doing this, filter every purchasing decision that you make through these three questions. One, does it make sense for your current and future situation? Does this purchase align with where you want to go? And is the flexibility that you're going to give up worth it? Number two, do you even want this thing? Or is it just something that you see other people doing and so you think that you should too? And number three, is there a less expensive alternative that still gets you whatever that you want? Good wrap up. Okay, so now it's time for the Stuff We Like segment. lack of a better a better name we're gonna keep working on it tell us what we should name that segment so. I, I, yeah tell us it, we thought true's love but i don't i don't love I don't that know. one it's not it's not great no <laughs> so for now it's the stuff we like or things that we're currently paying attention to segment yeah. so okay so i'm gonna start us off and um i'm gonna bring it i'm gonna bring it full circle here i mentioned this book earlier and it's i miss you when i blink by mary laura philpot and it's just a book of essays, which I normally would not be that into. But it, and it's like her memoir. But it's super fun to read and also kind of like a self-help book. I don't know. She's done this great job of laying out the book where it's a fun read, but also productive. 
So I feel really good about it. Well, you I don't think a day has gone by literally since you've opened that book a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was where you've not talked about it to me. So it's making an impression. It's definitely, you know, geared towards women. But there have been lots of the essays that I've read to Nick and that you've identified with. Yeah. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it, too, when you've read it. So, yeah, it's a new look on midlife crises, not really midlife crises. She kind of like redefines it as we all have these little crises of figuring out who we are and how all of our our past lives or past selves like play into who we are currently. And I can just totally relate to that, you know, and having previously worked as a physical therapist and made career changes and now like living in an RV, traveling around, working with you on Mapped Out Money and and trying to find how all of those things that I've done in the past meld into help me be the best version of who I am right now. So one last thing, if you are interested in any more from The Art of Mainliness, make sure you check out their blog and podcast. And then um, we'll link specifically to the blog post on Emerson and self-reliance. Yep, uh, down in the episode show notes. All right, sounds good. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. See y'all later.